Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right, thank you, thank you for being present for our Bible study. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome your neighbor to your left and to your right. And tell them, I'm glad to be here. Hallelujah. It's going to be an awesome night, I promise you. Praise the name of Jesus. Alright, so right now, I want to suggest uh, grab our Bibles and our Bible study materials. Your notes, your your bio, everything. Um, so, let's... let's uh, Let's do that, okay? Um, praise the Lord. Okay, uh, I'm seeing that the chat section is not enabled for some reason. Um, we'll look into that. If you want to make any comments whatsoever, please make your comments on the group chat so we can see if you have questions or if you're responding. If you're responding, respond on the group chat till it's resolved thank you very much all right praise the name of jesus so I'll, I'll need you to pay close attention um to today's bible study we have started the series um we started the series of the book of colossians our study on the book of colossians i don't know i i really do hope it's been exciting i really hope you've learned a whole lot i believe that by the end of this study every one of you who have followed through should be able to carry your bibles and if anyone asks you any question or asks you to explain any concept, you can confidently say, look, I can explain the entire book to you from beginning to end. No flops whatsoever. And I really do hope that that's what this is helping you to do. But more so to be able to put to practice the things you're learning, to confess them, to realize this is your life now. You're not just um, some way, but you are... You are in Christ. That's your location. You are in Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're going to start right away. I'm going to make sure that this is the shortest uh, study we've probably had. Um, I'm going to rush up and be as fast as I can. So let's go right to it. Verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. All right, I need you to pay close attention. If you're there, shout glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Um, okay. So this is what it says. Um, if you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Now, this is super powerful, okay? Um, verse 1, you need to realize that um, this verse 1 of chapter 3 is not just a standalone, okay? It comes from verse um, the ending verses of the previous chapter, okay? That's where it comes from. So, we need to make sure that we understand that context in fact it actually goes all the way uh, from chapter one 
So if you can simply just go to Colossians chapter 1 from verse 13. That will be very fantastic. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 13. We, we covered this two weeks ago. It says... Um, I'll just start from verse 12. Verse 12 to 13. Verse 12 to 13. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So what we see here is he has delivered us from where? From the power of darkness. There has been a deliverance. This is the concept of the word deliverance. We're delivered from darkness. And we've been translated, we've been initiated, we've been brought in into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Right? So we need to understand that, look, we are away from darkness. We are coming out of darkness. And now we are in the light. Praise the name of Jesus. You are in the kingdom of light. You are in the kingdom of the Son of God. But let's look at uh, the ending verses of chapter 2. They flow right into chapter 3. It says, verse 20 of Colossians chapter 2. Verse 20. Alright, so it says, If you be dead with Christ... From the rudiments of the world. Why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? It says, touch not, taste not, handle not. Which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom. In will, worship and humility. Humility rather. And neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So we saw that this Paul is telling us here. That if you are dead with Christ, it tells you you are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. So in summary, he's saying you are dead to sin. You are dead even to the law, the ordinances of the world. You are dead to those things. Meaning anyone who is dead to something, what does that mean? It means the person is immune to that thing. A, a dead person is dead to feelings. He's dead to fire to if anybody puts anything he's immune because he's dead to those things do you understand and now chapter three oh beautiful from verse one it starts on a very very lovely note it says if you then be risen with christ so you were dead with christ to what sin to the rudiments of the world to darkness but guess what now you are risen with christ it says, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. So if Christ seated on the right hand of God, this tells us we have been risen with Christ. So we are where Christ is. Praise the name of Jesus. That, that's an association there, right there. Risen with Christ. We died with him. Now we are risen with him. Where were we risen to? To where Christ is above that's why um, Paul can say, seek those things which are above. Praise the name of Jesus. Do you see that? The, the, word, set, um, the, the word seek those things, uh, the phrase is, is talking about focus your attention. Put your mind in this direction. Focus on things which are above. Desire those things. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. It says, set your affection... On things above, not on things on the earth. 
Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The word set your affection or set your mind is from the Greek word phronate. Alright? It just simply means um, position your gaze in a particular direction. Do you understand? He's saying there are things on the earth. There are things fighting for your attention. There are things fighting for your affection. There are things fighting for your devotion. There are things fighting for your possessions. But Paul is saying, look, because you are seated where Christ is above, focus your mind on those things that are above. The things that are above, they are good, they are pure, they are eternal. Praise the name of Jesus. So he says, set your affections on the things above, not on things on the earth. You know, um, the thing is this, right? Our, when it comes to, to the faith, a, a lot of things are done for us, right? A lot of things are done for us or done to us. But the Bible expects us to respond. You know, the Bible says um, we love him um, because he first loved us. So, you know, even First John 3, 16 says, this is how we know the love of God, that He, as he gave his life for us, we also ought to give our lives to the brethren. So at the end of the day, when there's an action towards us, directed at us, there is a response. In fact, there is a responsibility. The ability to respond is called what? Responsibility. Simply put, right? So those are what we call responsibilities in the, in the body of Christ. There's something done to us. Then we have the ability to respond and we the response to to what Christ did for us where we were raised with him is that we now set our affections on the things that are above praise the name of Jesus then it goes on to say um you died um you you you, you for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God so what that means is you are dead to the things of the earth basically you are dead to the things of the earth. You are dead to the rudiments of the world. Your life is hid with Christ. He's trying to give you a paradigm shift, a focus. You died. Like, you should not have the influences of the world that are holding you down. Do you understand? Or are taking your attention. It's saying, for you are dead and your life. Isn't that almost, almost an oxymoron? You are dead and your life. Wait, I don't understand. The context of deadness here means you are free from the influence of the world. At least you should be because spiritually speaking, that's where you are. You are dead. But your life, the, the eternal life, the life which is above is hidden with Christ in God. So you are, you are dead to the law. You are dead to sin, but your life is found in God. If you open God, if you open Christ, you find you. Do you understand? That's where you are. You are hidden with Christ. Your, your, your life is, is intertwined with His. Do you understand? Your life is hinged, anchored to the life of Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. And then verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, see that statement. Isn't that just powerful? It says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also with him in glory. 
That's just him talking about we will partake in the glory of the Lord's return. When the Lord returns, when he appears, then shall ye, we also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. That's hope right there in verse 4. Hope. Praise the name of Jesus. So, we've been raised spiritually to life, right? We're dead in our transgressions. We're raised to life spiritually. But guess what? We will be raised. <laughs> so we have been raised, but we will be raised. Praise the name of Jesus. That's what happens when Christ returns for us. He, when he appears, we will also appear with him in glory. We will be caught up in the sky with him. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 5. But look at this. See, let me just explain something very fundamental. The way uh, the new creation realities are is that there is first a legal binding to it. And then there is a there is a vital binding to it. There is a legal binding. There is a vital binding. There is an effectual binding to it. What I mean is, the Bible will tell you things like, um, you are dead to sin. Like Romans 6 tells us, you are dead to sin. But then you see another place in the Bible that says, in Romans 8, 13, that um, if you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you will live right mortify the deeds of the flesh put to death the flesh wait but you ask like i thought i'm dead already you said i'm dead already so you're telling me to put to death again i don't understand that's how it works it's it's a beautiful dynamic in in the body in in, in the body of christ where something has been done for us spiritually but then we make it happen effectually right so it's basically working out your salvation that's what this is. There is, a, there is a legal binding to it. You are this way in the spirit. You are dead to sin, alive in Jesus Christ. But then you have to make it effectual. That's where the responsibility is, where you respond, the ability to respond. That is your responsibility. So verse 5 is saying, mortify therefore. So it tells you when you see the word therefore, it, it's just continuing from where it was before. It's telling you, mortify therefore. As a result of this, mortify. The word mortify means simply to put put to death, to kill something. So it says to mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Wow. So it's talking about the works of the flesh here. And I want you to pay attention. Very, very, very important. So many people will talk about the grace of God. Oh, you are dead to sin. God loves you. It's by grace through faith. Not of your works, righteousness by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And you're just excited. But then we see Paul going seriously, saying, okay, yes, that's all nice and cool. You are dead to sin, truly. Now do something about it. Mortify the deeds of your flesh with what? It says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he makes a list. Listing the works of the flesh. Number one, he's, he talks about fornication. Now, fornication is um, exchanged or intertwined, synonymous to sexual immorality, right? That's what the um, uh, older translations use. You see the NIV's manuscripts use sexual immorality. Um, just to simplify it, to show that it's not just the act of fornicating, do you understand, in the, con in the normal sense. I, I, might go, <laughs> I might be a bit... Um, too open and transparent in this section bear with me because i want to make sure that we are understanding it right so when it comes to 
uh, fornication or sexual immorality, the Greek word is actually porneia. Porneia. And <laughs> surprising, that's where um, the word pornography actually comes from. From this word, the Greek word porneia. And what this really is, is it's talking about, it's not just when there is intercourse between two people in the usual way. Um, it has been described. Some of you, I'm sure you guys did biology and the greater science, so you understand what I'm talking about. When a man and a woman, yes, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But this is more than that, right? In fact, the next word he uses is uncleanness. Um, it's also called impurity. It's it's from the Greek word akathasia, rather. Pardon me, akathasia, and akathasia. It, it simply means um, sexual impurity. Um, let me give you an example. I think a lot of people mistake something. And I want you to pay attention. Some people say that because I'm a virgin, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, I'm good. I'm still a virgin. I'm still intact. God, Glory to God. God is still pleased with me no matter what. But you forget something that this is not just the act of intercourse. This is talking about all forms of sexual immorality. All forms. Now, let me even ask a question. Now, if you can hear me, please type your responses on the group chat. Let's know what you're talking about, okay? Let's hear you. Um, let's talk about this. If you say that you are a virgin... Yet you can you do all the other stuff, all the in betweens. The question is, are you sexually pure? So people feel like they are justified, they are fine if they can do all the other things. Now this is a lot, a large variety of things. You're talking about sexting, you're talking about pornography, you're talking about lusting, you're talking about um, the in betweens, <laughs> you're talking about um, intense sort of making out that inspire lust i'm talking about um ah, let me say it oral sex do you understand it covers all of this it covers all of this paul is addressing this these are works of the flesh but the question is this the question is this let me even ask, ask hmm? if like okay let me let me just ask who is a virgin what is the what is virginity what is the definition of virginity? Right? What is the definition of virginity? Is it when... For, for, for a woman, many people will say this. They will just assume and say, um, well, it's when a woman... I'm, I'm going to be very... I'm going to be... Uh, um, <laughs> why am I so shy? Um... It's when a woman's hymen is broken, right? They say that's virginity. If you go by that definition, what about the men? It doesn't that definition cannot apply to <laughs> Oh, this emoji is very funny. Uh, that definition does not apply to men. So what definition do you give to virginity? Some say, oh, when there has been penetration um between um people of the same sex or the opposite sex question now i'm not trying to make your mind race but question when oral sex happens there usually should be a form 
there usually is a form of penetration. Do you understand? So I'm saying this because many people are very easy uh, or very quick to just um, put these things aside. Oh, because I'm a virgin, because I'm a virgin, um, I mean, I'm still good, I'm still fine. But just because you're a virgin doesn't mean you're sexually pure. And then you have to define what is a virgin, who is a virgin. Do you understand? So I'm just trying to bring this to play because in, in the old days, um, there are a lot of things that would not come into play because of how technology was back then. There was nothing like sexting. There was nothing like pornography in that sense. So they were not... They, 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 that's why Paul didn't just say, oh, just sexual intercourse. He just said sexual immorality, impurity of all forms. Do you understand? All right, I'm just going to keep... I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so these are things that you need to consider, right? Um, at the end of the day, I believe God is not just about... I have you kept the bed on the file. There are a lot of in-betweens. There are a lot of things that can render you sexually impure, right? Without even you being with another person. I hope that makes sense. Um, then he says, inordinate affection. That is the Greek word pathos. And it's, it's, it's similar to inordinate affections. That means affections that are not ordinary. They are not the natural way. So under this can include all forms of um, perversions, homosexuality, um, pansexuality, and all the others. Do you understand? Inordinate affections, things that are not the right way, perverted forms of affection. Then he talks about evil desires. He talks about greed, which is idolatry. So he says, inordinate aff- um, affection, evil concupiscence. Concupiscence simply means um, desires, strong desires. Then covetousness, which is greed, he says that is also idolatry, right? Okay. Um, I see a definition. Virginity is the state of a person who has never engaged in sexual intercourse. That is not accurate, right? I don't believe that's accurate um, because um, you have to. Okay. <laughs> let me just let me just let me just focus. <laughs> let me just focus. What I'll just say is you have to know, you have to be honest with yourself and know the limits of what sexual intercourse entails. Do you understand? Um, just be very careful. Don't try to excuse um, any form of sexual impurity as trivial. I would advise this, and we'll talk about this more, right? Um, there is zero tolerance for sexual immorality as a believer. Zero tolerance for it. Um, because I'll show you why very soon, all right? Verse 6, this is why. Verse 6 tells us why. It says, For which things sake? It says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. The wrath of God, the anger of God towards sin is coming on the wrath, is coming upon the children of disobedience. Right? So, um, thankfully, by the grace of God, we are not children of disobedience. You understand? That's not us. Right? You are a child of obedience. Praise the name of Jesus. Romans 1.5 tells us, it says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship um, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So, there is obedience that comes with the faith. Do you understand? There is an obedience that comes with the faith. Alright? So, it's very, very important that we realize that we are children of obedience 
we are children of obedience. We're not children of disobedience. All right. So it's telling Paul is really saying like, look, God is actually displeased with these kinds of practices. Do you understand? That's why his wrath is still coming upon. So don't be deceived that oh God loves God is yes, he does, but he will punish sin because he is just. So his wrath is still coming. That's why even in the message of the gospel, we preach the love of God, but at the same time we, we present the justice. The justice of God is what makes people realize their need for salvation. That God truly will punish all people for their sins, but you don't have to be punished. Do you understand? Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Verse 7. Look at this. I look at this. Just pause and focus on verse 7. In, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. Simply put, it says this was your past life. Like Paul is walk, walk, working with the assumption, with the confidence, as he's writing to these believers in Colossae, that this was your past life. Like you have died. Don't you understand? You have died to the world. You have died to sin. So this was your past life. This kind of, this, this works of the flesh. That was your past. Look at the tense he uses there. He says, you, you walked in this in the past. And there's no expectation. Um, and there's no place. There should be no place for these things in your present or in your future. Because it's dead. You are dead to these things. Do you see his tense? But now you also put off all these. So he makes another list again. So what you realize is this. When it comes to the body of, um, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, there is a vital truth. There is a, there is a legal truth, pardon me, about you. There is something that is true. The knowledge that is true about you, what Jesus had made available for you. Right, he tells you that you are dead to sin, you are dead to to the things of the world. Do you understand? Now he now gives an instruction. He now tells you, as a result of this, therefore, put away this and that and this and that. Do you understand? Because now, whenever there's an instruction given, there is also an ability to perform. Praise the name of Jesus. When there's an instruction given, there is an ability by the Spirit to perform. Praise the name of Jesus. So he said, read yourself of these things. And you have to pay attention here. What are these things Paul is talking about? Put away these things. Anger. Put away what? Anger. Um, the, the word anger in the Greek is orge. It means impulsive fits of anger. You know, where you're just irri- ir- irritated. Just, <clears throat> you just, an, just an outburst, right? You just react just like that. That's anger. Put it away from you. Um, if you look at First Corinthians 13, it says love is not easily angered, is not easily irritated. Do you understand? So that's not a good thing for you to be able to try to react to every single thing with anger, where you're just so quick to be irritated by people. It's a work of the flesh. And he's saying, put it away. Then he says wrath. Put away wrath. Wrath is more passionate. It's deeper than anger. It's called thumos in the Greek. Thumos. It's, it's, it's passionate, passionate, deep-seated anger. Do you understand? Wrath against someone. Some people are just bitter towards other people, right? You just, mm, I just, I just hate this person. I just, ah, I know. I, I, I can't, I can't stand this person. 
So that's something he's saying. Put away. Then there's malice. And it's kakia. Kakia in the Greek. It means wickedness. So malice is not just when you people say, ah, are you keeping malice with me? <laughs> it's deeper than just malice. It's not just silence treatment. Malice is wickedness. It's serious wickedness. It's, it's you just like literally it's, it's like a graduation. Yes, you are angry. Now you are wrathful. Now you are planning to take action on that anger. That's malice. It's, it's all forms of wickedness. But you now start to act on those feelings of wrath. Then it says blasphemy. Now it's from the Greek word blasphemia, right? From the Greek word blasphemia. What it means is these are actions or words that dishonor the name of God. So whether it's your actions or your words, uh, it's not just saying um, OMG, right? You know the full meaning of OMG or saying, um, you know, just ex- or just saying um, the name of our Lord um, Jesus Christ, just using it anyhow as as an as a foul language or something like they do a lot in the movies. It's more than that. Even your actions, anything that dishonors the name of the Lord, is regarded as blasphemy. Many people don't realize this. Um, when you do something, you know, the Bible says that we should let our light so shine before men that they, when they see us, they will glorify the Father, right? Um, that uh, scripture was telling us that when people see us, they can see the life of the Father in us and they will give glory to God um, for that. So at the same time, if they see someone who identifies as a believer, but does not live in a manner that a believer should. It it at the end of the day pulls down the name of the Lord. It brings down the glory of the Lord, and that is blasphemy. Do you do you see that? It's either you give glory to God or you blaspheme His name. That's it. Your actions determine what you are doing. Are you blaspheming the name of the Lord, or are you glorifying His name? Um, and then it says filthy communication. That's iscrologia. Um, that's A-I-S-C-H-R-O-L-O-G-I-A. Iscrologia. It, sim- it simply simply means abusive or slanderous language. That's what it means. So, filthy communication. In, in I, I mean, these are things that lead up all together, right? Anger, it starts impulsively. Wrath becomes passionate. Malice, you start to, to, to figure out ways to act on it. All forms of wickedness, you start to plot. Blasphemy now involves actions that just drag the name of the Lord in, 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 in the mud. And then filthy communication, when you start to speak out, you start to, uh, to, to say all forms of slanderous things towards people, right? That, that's when it's a problem. Praise the name of Jesus. So he's saying, look, put these things away. Put them off. Then verse 9, look at this. Oh, guys. It says, lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. See, Paul is speaking with a holy assumption that you have put off the old man. In verse 7, he said, you used to walk in this ways in the past. That was your life before. In the past. Now he's saying, lie not to one another. If Look at this. Lie not to one another. Like, for for me, I think I think it's to be super important for Paul to reserve an entire verse. Well, of course, he's like they were not separated in verses, but an entire thought he puts 
to, to, to talk against lying to a fellow believer. Lying to a fellow believer. It's a serious thing. He says, lie not to another. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man to So it means if you are continuing in, in, in a practice of lying, you have not put off your old man with his deeds. That's, that's just the evidence. You haven't carefully um, made that vital uh, and legal, you've not made that legal reality a vital one. Okay? Um, that's verse 9. Verse 10. It says, so you have, um, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have what? Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. This is so, so powerful. So what this means is that, look, you've taken off the old man. But as many of you know, when you take off something, you have to replace it with something else, right? So you took off the old man and now we have put on the new man. This is your reality. It's both your reality and it's your responsibility. Do you understand? So the things that you experience in Christ are realities, but you must respond. Those are your responsibilities. So now you have put off the old man and you have put on the new man. But this new man is not just your spirit man that is just there and is just, you, you can, it can be renewed. Do you understand? So as much as you are new, you, you can be renewed in the knowledge. It says renewed in knowledge. After the image of him that created him. That is saying Jesus Christ. Who is um, who is the one who saved us. We are renewed after his image. Meaning we are made to look more and more like him. Do you understand? We are made to look more and more like him. Praise the name of Jesus. So yes we have put on new man, But we are growing in knowledge. As you grow in knowledge of the Lord. You become more like him. You look more like him. Do you understand? He says, where there is neither Jew nor, nor Jew, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Praise the name of Jesus. This is powerful. He's saying, um, you're renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That means in, 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 in Christ now, where there is neither, that means there is no separation. Whether you are a Gentile or you are a Jew, you are circumcised or not. Um, Greek, by the way, Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian. These are still categorizing and whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. Do you understand? People who are called uncircumcised are referred to as Gentiles. It was only the nation of Israel. That was known to circumcise. That's why David could talk, talk to Goliath and say, "You uncircumcised Philistine." He was not yabbing Goliath. He was just he was just describing him. Do you understand? So he now says, "But Christ is all, and in all, he's in, he's available to all people." He's saying that look, the ground is equal to anyone who will believe in him. So he now says, verse twelve. Put on therefore. So like now you've put off. He's telling you get rid of all this terrible things get rid of fornication uncleanness inordinate affection what what that means is you can actually do these things now you can actually do these things empowered by the holy spirit like i said when there is an instruction where there is an instruction there is an ability by the spirit to perform to obey the gospel at the end of the day is a message of obedience do you understand we're not just saved 
from sin, but we are saved to live for God. You know, we are saved to, to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the one who saved us after whose image we are being transformed. Do you understand? So at the end of the day, when you put off something, you are, you are now to put on something. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 12. He says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, holy and beloved, um, bowels of mercies. So he's given a list now. And some, some people can, um, you can categorize this as the works of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit. We, we've talked about some of the works of the flesh. Now he's telling you to put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, many people would see um, Galatians chapter 5, you know, where it lists the, the fruit of the Spirit and say, oh, this is the only place where the fruit of the Spirit are mentioned. No, Paul mentions them in several epistles, but in just different formats. Do you understand? So, he, he is emphasizing the fruit of the Spirit here. Like, he, you can actually put on these things. Do you understand? Like, he's narrating it like it's, a, it's, a, it's cloth you can wear. He's saying, put these things on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. You know, and he's describing you. You are the elect of God. Elect means you are selected. You are chosen, a chosen people. Holy means you are set apart and then you are loved. So God shows you, he sets you apart and he loves you. That's just powerful. That's just a powerful way to describe you. Hallelujah. And then he says, so put on what? Number one, bowels of mercy. Bowels of mercy. That's just deep-seated compassion. Like just deep, just having mercy towards people. But he says kindness. Kindness. Like it beats me to think that kindness, kindness is actually a fruit of the spirit. Like think about it. Like be kind. I know there's a popular saying that people um, say um, all around, whether they are believers or not. Um, treat others with kindness, basically is what they are saying. Treat others with kindness. This is a fruit of the Spirit, to be kind to someone. Do you know the person, let me just tell you how high this ranks to God. Fruit of the Spirit um, always rank high in importance to God rather than gifts of the Spirit. And I'll tell you why. The gifts of the Spirit can might as well show the power of God. But at the end of the day, if they do not reveal the love of God, then there is a problem there. At the end of the day, God wants his love to be seen by all, even before power is seen. Do you understand? In fact, God's power is seen in love. That is just powerful. I'll explain. Like, you can have signs and wonders following you. You can be able to cast out demons in his name, heal the sick. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if there is no place for love, it means nothing. First Corinthians 13 tells us that, verse 1 to 3, that even if you give all your possessions right, to the poor, and you even give your body to be burnt as sacrifice, but you're not doing it out of love, you're just doing it out of your name, for your name to be known, to be famous, it says it means nothing to the Lord. Even if you can speak with tongues of angels, but you don't have love, it means nothing. So you see where God's priority is. It's not in activity. It's not in demonstration of power. It's in how you display his love. Do you understand? That matters more to God than anything else. So kindness ranks high to God. Are you kind? 
Are you kind to people? Are you kind to your siblings? Can they, can they describe it? If anyone should, should be asked, describe Chiamaka. Describe Gideon. Describe Chidema. What would they say about you? Would kindness be on the list? Yes, I know sometimes you might play a lot, might yab people a lot, you know, just joking around. But at the end of the day, can they say that you are kind? It matters to God. It matters to God. See the, 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 the terminologies Paul uses. You are the elect of God. You are chosen. You are set apart. You are holy. You are beloved. So, are you kind? Then he talks about humbleness of mind and meekness. They are synonymous. And this is so, so important because Philippians, Paul talks about it there again. That we should have the same mind that Christ did in terms of humility. That he humbled himself, came in the form of sinful man to die for sinful men. That is humility. To, to get to a point that no matter your societal status, no matter your accomplishments, no matter where you reach in life, you will always be humble at heart and meek in spirit. That's a fruit of the spirit. It's a fruit of the spirit. Then he says long-suffering. That is patience. And I've said this before. Patience is not just about... Oh, this woman in calf. Oh, God. This woman has not saved my food. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Uh-uh. This other person, she saved the person. Ah, I'll wait. I'll wait. And you're saying you're long-suffering. It's, it's, that, that is one part of it. But there's even more. Long-suffering simply means to be able to suffer long, right? To bear with someone for long. To bear with people for long. To bear with the situation for long, right? All through, we have been seeing that the things Paul has been listing are things that involve our interactions with other people. He says filthy communication, anger, wrath, malice. He talks about even unclean things, the sexual, sexual impure things. So those are things that involve um, it's it, like, things that you would do when you interact with other people. He says lie not one to another. So it's it's talking about it's talking about your conduct with other people, right? So here, I believe the long-suffering is regards to people, not just situations now. There is a place of long-suffering, of course, when you are enduring persecution or hardship. But this is regarding people. And he explains in the next verse what he means, alright? Forbearing one another. So, this is what it means. That someone who you love and trust offends you or hurts you or betrays you. And then you guys eventually make up maybe you eventually settle the issue but then it happens again and then it happens again and then it happens again will you be willing to be long-suffering to be patient with that person now there's some people who are just so mischievous and they're just doing these things to spite you to just hurt you they're out to get you from such people please cut yourself off i advise you free of charge please do the needful. Cut off those people. Burn the bridges and move on. Those people are toxic. Right? But there are some people who you know are truly repentant. That's that's the clause. There are people who actually want to be better. But somehow they find themselves, disapp- themselves disappointing others consistently. The question is, are you long-suffering enough to wait and trust God to complete his work in them? 
that even as they're making mistakes, you trust that they are going to grow to a point of maturity, that you are patient in their, with them in their process, that you are able to forbear. Forbear simply means to be able to anticipate a wrong and be able to let it slide. Do you understand? To forbear, to like this is bearing with one another ahead of time. <laughs> Do you understand? Or bearing one another and forgiving one another. We're in verse 13, just so you know. And forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. So this is just an instruction. Like I said, something was done for you. Can you see it? There was a reality. Christ forgave you. Now he's saying, do the same. That is your responsibility, your responsibility. You will, therefore, as a result of this, forgive others. When you understand the magnitude, the dimension, the extent to which you were forgiven, to which God was patient with you. Some of you can relate to this more than others. You know that in your past life, I will speak like Paul, in your past life you were stubborn, you were terrible, you were involved in all sorts of of, of impurity and uncleanness, you were involved with wrath and malice and wickedness, you were, you were involved in filthy communication, and so you know what it's like to have a terrible past where you keep falling and you keep falling almost like you're in a cycle. Don't you realize that God was patient with you in your cycle? Don't you realize that God was patient for you in your mess? Don't you realize that the times you repeatedly you repeatedly rebelled against the Lord, sinned against him. He was patient. He was forbearing. And at the end of the day, he forgave you. The kind of forgiveness where his, his forgiveness is as consistent as your mess. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. So he's saying, look, as Christ forgave you, everything we do, Christ is all. Christ is at the center. Christ is the motivation. Do you understand? He says, do you also. Do you also. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 14. Above all these things. So the accumulation of everything that Paul has been talking about is what? Charity. Love. Agape. The love of God. The unconditional love of Christ. Above all these things, put on charity. I cannot emphasize how many times Paul... See, when I emphasize love, I feel a lot of people are just... They feel that love is trivial. When I say crazy love conference, everything love, love, look at you. God loves you, everything love, love, love. You see, it's all about... All of you, rainbows and marshmallows, love, love. They don't realize that this is what has been emphasized numerous times all across scriptures, both in the Old Testament and in the New. In fact, that is how God himself identifies. God is love. Paul says, there abide these three, love, faith, and hope. The greatest, the greatest, this, the accumulation of all of them is in love. It all started with an unconditional love. And he says this is the bond of perfectness. It, it, it bonds everything together. Now this is not just 
just love. This is not just a love that is dependent on people. It is unconditional, unmerited. It goes to the people that don't even deserve it. Do you see that? People who don't deserve this love, you will show to them. Praise the name of Jesus. It's serious. Like this is how you set your mind on the things which are above. Do you see this? Paul is coming from a narrative, from a context. When he says set your mind on things which are above, it's not just by saying, oh, I'm praying every day. I'm studying my Bible. That is part of it. But he's trying to show you the way of the new life that you've been called into. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. So live like you're in the kingdom of light. Don't you understand? The light must look differently from the darkness. How can someone who identifies as an unbeliever look at someone and say, I don't forgive you. And you called as a believer, see someone who equally offends you and say, I will not forgive you. In fact, I hate you so much. I am angry with you. I am bitter. It means you have not been trans. It just shows you have not truly understood the translation that happened, the change of location that happened. That was your past. Yes, let me tell you the truth. I know some of you are like, but you don't understand. I know, yes, you say it's my past, but I just did it yesterday. It's not a past thing. It's still present in my life. Look, your reality must be translated to a responsibility. You are dead to sin. You are taken away from the kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. So you can actually live like someone who is dead to sin. You can actually live like you are in the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the son of God. Praise the name of Jesus. That's it. Hallelujah. Ah. Do you see that? So God cares about how you relate with other people. It matters to him. And when you walk in the spirit... In the fruit of the Spirit, when you forgive, when you show kindness, humility, long-suffering, you are setting your affections on the things which are above. Praise the name of Jesus. Whew, glory to God. It says in verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That means all of you together. See, at the end of the day, this is... More or less an interactive kind of um, sermon, meaning the way you relate to that. Let there be peace among people. One way you can know that you are doing right, you know, in the sight of the Lord is that you are at peace with people. That you are eager to make peace. You are eager to settle differences. Many people are so... You know, I mean, the person is the person, he's the one that offended me. He should be the one to reach out. Yes, let's say, no, no, I understand. I will forgive. I will forgive. No, no, I will. I, I swear. I will forgive. But let him reach out to me first. Let him be the one to meet me. Every time I'm the one, always the one asking, asking for, every time. You see, every time I'll be asking for peace. Ah, is, is that my name? Is my name peace? <laughs> every time. No, no, this one. In fact, I'm done. The person, he has to come. No, he will be the one to come and say sorry first. I'll forgive her, but he'll be the one. I, is that you? Is that who you are? 
Don't you understand that your life is different? It must be different. It must be unexpected. The world expects a system. In the world's eyes, that's fine. They understand. In fact, you don't even have any reason to forgive the person. The world is saying, you don't even need to forgive. But if at all you are forgiving, let the person come. Jesus is saying, look, take the other direction. Be the one to look out for peace. Be the one to seek for peace. That peace will rule in your heart. Do you see that? So sometimes you might not even be wrong in what you do, but you can reach out. You can. And that takes humility of mind. Do you see how everything works together? That takes a meek spirit for you to be able to humble yourself, put away your pride and say, look, I know I'm not the one at fault. But I will reach out to this person. Because I am not living for this person. I'm not living for my pride. I'm living for the one who gave his life for me. Who brought himself low. Who endured my wrong. Who saw my my worst. Yet he loved me. So I will love this person at their worst. Do you see that? Oh, it's beautiful. The life you've been called to live is a sweet life. It's a beautiful life. It's different. You can't find it anywhere else. It's different. You live on a higher plane. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be thankful. That means be thankful, you know, spend the rest of your time in unity as one body with thanksgiving. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom now the word of christ here is specific and um, paul is talking about the message of the gospel the message about christ about his death about his resurrection let it dwell in you richly because it gets why it's not in your bible said let the word of christ dwell in you richly it gets why it's there (laughs) let it dwell in you in richly in all wisdom Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. So, I believe that this is a recommendation of Paul to to help them be able to achieve these instructions. So, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the understanding of the gospel dwell in you richly. But not just should it dwell in you in abundance but in all wisdom. Do you see that? It should dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Like I explained, wisdom means putting to action what you know. It's the application of knowledge. So, yes, the words of Christ are dwelling in you richly. That is knowledge. That is understanding. But it should be done in all wisdom. That means there is a practical side, a pragmatic angle to it. Yes, you know that Jesus forgave you. He loved you unconditionally. You died with him. You are raised to a new life in a new kingdom, to a new set of of experiences and responsibilities. But guess what? It must amount to wisdom, practical knowledge. When you live out what you know, hallelujah. That's what Paul is saying. It says, teaching and admonishing one another. That means it should be a continual thing that should be done. Just like I am doing for you right now. Remind, see, 
let me tell you something. Let me just put this at the side. There is a reason. Let me just tell you this. The power of association can never be underestimated. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. The reason, <laughs> the reason a lot of relationships have gone sour is because one of the two parties in that relationship or probably even both parties have wrong counsel, have the wrong association. Now, let me give you an instance. Imagine something happened. Um, the <laughs> so I don't know. Drop it in the comment section, please. Let me know what you think, ladies in the house. If you are dating a guy, this is just a free question to the house. Um, must he talk? Yeah, yeah. He's your boyfriend, right? Would you expect? That he talks to you every single day. Would you expect that every single day you should talk at least? At least once. Guys in the house, you two answer. If you have a girlfriend, do you think you should talk every day? Is it compulsory that you get to talk every day? Now, back to my story. Now, imagine a guy and a girl in a dating relationship. For one day, they didn't talk. For two days, they didn't talk. Now the girl just starts shouting that this guy, in fact, that yesterday was my mom's birthday and he didn't even say anything, he didn't even message anything. Now, a friend could just come. <laughs> it says, every six hours. <laughs> people are greedy. Very greedy people. Okay. <laughs> so, imagine this. The person, the, the girl was just angry. Why? What's wrong with him? Like, we've not talking, we, we, I said we're not talking, we've not talked in two days. And in fact, he didn't even remember my mom's birthday. What kind of nonsense is this? And she just goes to her friend, look at what Tunde has, hey, yes, Tunde. <laughs> look at what Tunde has done. Look at what he has done. Look at how he has, he's he, he just, he just keeping himself. Now, the power of association is such as this. Look at that relationship literally hinges on the opinion of that person especially if that person trusts the counsel of their friend it hinges on it now it's this the, the the process of resolution can go both ways if the friend says actually i told you i told you that that boy is a player i told you that he has other people outside you will not listen because he's fine because he's handsome you 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 you, you. i told you i told you you have been showing this sign since I warned you, I told you, but you will not listen. Or the friend says, Look, I see, look, look, I understand. Yes, it's, it's wrong. Like, why would you not talk to you for two days? That's really messed up. But I think you should just try and see things from his end. Um, in fact, you've not talked to him, you've not seen any status updates. So, why, why not check up on him? Find out if he's okay. Why not, you know, just find out, reach out to him? And pray for him. Do you understand? Now, that person is coming from a different angle. And that literally can save the relationship. Whereas the first advice or counsel that was given can ruin the entire thing. It will cause the girl to have insecurity. It's true. What did the other girls? By mistake, the boy should just post a girl's picture. That is not the girlfriend. Ah! That is the end. <laughs> Do you understand? What I'm trying to say is what you admonish 
one another with can change everything. If your your friends are telling you it's true, I told you, I told you, she be I told you, I told you this person is this, that girl is that, I told you about her, she's so saucy, do you know how she is? She's so jealous of you, she be I told if you have those kinds of friends, they will destroy you. They will take you out of the will of God for your life. They will take you to a place where you start to work in the flesh. Where you start to have anger. Where you have to start to have wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. That's where it starts from. From the wrong counsel, from the wrong teachings, from the wrong advice. Do you see that? So when you have people that can remind you of the word of Christ... People who can remind you of the gospel. People who can remind you of God's unconditional love. Those are the people that will save your life. The question is, who are you listening to? Who are those whose counsel you subscribe to? What are they saying? Are they pushing you in the line of the flesh? Or are they pushing you in the line of the spirit? Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. Choose who you listen to wisely. Choose, it's very important. It's very, for your soul, it's important. What are you listening to? Are you listening to Twitter? Is Twitter your counsel? Men are scum. Women are scum. Are gold diggers, all of them. Is money, is money. All men cheat. Is that, that what you're listening to? Is that what you are being admonished by? The Bible tells you there is a better substitute. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. So that you may begin to put these things in practice. Then what else? You start to talk to your friends about your brothers in Christ. You admonish them however you can in teachings. In songs, you can sing songs together, sing hymns together that remind you of the love of Jesus. The forgiveness that Jesus gave to you when you were in your sins. So singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ah, glory to God. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, whatsoever you do in the words you speak or the actions you take. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. It says, whatsoever you do. Listen. Listen to that. Verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word and in your actions. Do it in the name of the Lord. Whenever you are making the step to forgive, it's not about how you feel. You say, I am doing it in the name of the Lord. And as I do this, I am glorifying that name. Like I said, you can either glorify the name of the Lord or blaspheme it. So in everything you do, in your interactions with fellow believers, in, with your interactions even with unbelievers... The question is, are you giving glory to the Lord? Are you doing it in the name of the Lord? In fact, there's some good things that some people do, but they're not doing it in the name of the Lord. They're doing it for, for some place of praise. They're doing it for, for approbation of men, for, the, for, 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 for that place of acceptance. Praise the name of Jesus. I had decided long ago, I made a vow that my life 
and everything I will do will be to the name of the Lord. At the beginning stages, I won't lie to you, I've shared this with you many times. There were times where I knew that, okay, the Lord had called me to ministry. But then I just felt I was, I was so underappreciated. Like, I would do this for this person, do that for that person, and nothing, not a single thanks. I would pray for someone for like three hours, and, and of course, the person might not even know that. But pray for someone, do all this, do all that. And no recognition, no appraisal, no um, praises, no approbation, nothing, no, <laughs> nothing to show for all I was doing. And I, I told one of my closest friends then, and I'm, I'm partner in ministry. I told him, look, I'm I'm closing this this fight in a bag. I'm not doing it again. These people cannot appreciate. <laughs> I can't forget. And thank God I had someone who could remind me of the words of Christ. Person reminded me, look at your book. If I he brought out my book, and said. Look at what you wrote here. God instruction for you to, to, to stand with this vision of Vivify. To see all men's hearts awaken to the finished work of Christ. You wrote that. Are you going to give up now because people are not appreciating you? Because people don't say nice things as they say to other people? Is that why? Are you living for men? And in that moment I realized, no. No matter what, no matter how discouraged I am, sometimes I would invite several hundreds of people and we just have like 10 people around, 20 people around. It's so discouraging. And even the 10, 20 people that are around, they will not say, <laughs> they won't respond. They won't, you know. So I just made a decision. At the end of the day, everything I do is to the Lord. It's not about men. It's not about who says yes. It's not about who says well done. As long as God sees me and he can say yes, you faithful servant. You faithful child, you faithful son and faithful daughter. That matters more than anything. Because that's how you set your affections on the things above. Not on the things of earth, not on the accomplishments. Everything you do in word and in deed, do as unto the Lord. Ah, Do as unto the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So what I was saying is at the end of the day, we don't live for men's approval. You don't move by what people say about you. What God says about you matters way more. God's approval, God's approbation is worth more than the appreciation of men. It's worth more. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 18. Now he goes to more interpersonal relationships. So chapter 3 has just been how to interact with fellow people, how to interact in the world, how to live in the world, by, first of all, coming from a place where you are above. You are above the world, above the earth. So he's teaching you how, by this, you can interact with people. So when you say, set your minds on things which are above, some people don't know what that means. He's explaining this to you. You can do that in the way you interact with fellow people, fellow human beings. So now he's talking to wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. See, <laughs> these are specific instructions. Many times when I see these kinds of instructions, it just tells you, imagine this. If I tell you, um, make sure that when you are feeling pressed, when you feel like you are, when your, your bowels are full, your bladder is full, please 
ensure that you use the bathroom, ensure you use the toilet and ease yourself, that should not be an instruction. That's common sense. Like, you already have the tendency to do that, right? But when there are instructions, sometimes it just tells you that, look, these are things that most people might probably not be prone to doing. So he says specifically to wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. It gets why. <laughs> husbands, love your wives. Do not be bitter against them. It gets why. He went to children. Obey your parents in all things. It gets why. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Hey! If only they read the scripture. <laughs> if only they read it. So what I'm saying is this. Paul is specifically addressing categories of people that are naturally not prone to doing these things. And so he's instructing them that if you want to set your affection on the things which are above, you want to live in a manner that is above all, where you are risen with Christ, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. So, talking, let me just briefly talk about submission. I know my time is already up. Um, when you say wife submitting to husband, this is not inferiority. This is not in a place where you are, the woman is worthless. Far from it. Far from it. In God's eyes, women are of equal worth, of equal value, of equal rights. They have equal rights. Just as men do. Just as their husbands do. Marriage is a partnership. It's not a master and slave interaction. It's, it's a partnership. But what God is just trying to put forward is that this. There has to be some sort of leadership. Even in the family unit. Just like you have. You can have two pilots. In a plane. A pilot and a co-pilot. There must be a captain. Do you understand? There must be a captain. On a football team, you have players. Doesn't mean one player has different value than another person in that sense. But look, someone will be captain. Many times you even realize that the person they make captain might not even be be the most skilled. Do you understand? At the end of the day, someone must be assigned the role so that there's order. Do you understand? So, um, submission is not inferiority. Submission simply means partnering with the person listening to the person's leadership as they lead as they follow the leadership of the lord do you understand and it says husbands love your wives and it's very important when husbands love their wives submission will be easy when wives submit love will be easy do you understand it's it's it, it reciprocal when you love your wife she'll be like yes i can trust this man i can follow his leadership as he follows the lord do you understand it's easier that way to the feminists in the house hallelujah i'm <laughs> Yes, this is for you. And wives uh, and husband and um wives when you submit, it makes it easy for him to love you. Children, obey your parents in all things because it is pleasing to the Lord. This is very important. Remember I said we're not children of disobedience. We are what? We are children of obedience. Obey your parents in how many things? In all things. In all things, we, we are in an age where a lot of children, yes, I understand that <laughs> someone says something very funny, that what an elder um, sees sitting down <laughs> might still be nonsense. 
you know there's a saying that if what an elder sees sitting down you might not see standing up <laughs> someone said what an elder sees sitting down might still be nonsense um at the end of the day sometimes we know that adults are not always right in everything right no one is perfect but at the end of the day in those things you need to learn how to compromise with your parents you need to know how to bring peace many of you are so quarrelsome but you see that that command of honor your father and, the, and your mother it comes with a promise that a promise of sustenance it's real it's a real concept i know what i'm saying maybe I, let me not get that let me not say some things now some people are not living long for that very reason it's a serious thing obedience to parents It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. So that's an instruction for fathers too. They should be forbearing with their children. They should be able to listen. And for many of you who you, you feel you don't have the exemplary kind of parenthood in your houses, you, you feel your parents might not be a good example for you to follow, I want you to make yourself an example for others to follow. That when you have your children... You're not going to repeat the mistakes of your parents' past. Do you understand? They're going to make a difference in your family. You're going to be the father that God is pleased in. You'll be a mirror of the fatherhood of God to your own children. Praise the name of Jesus. That's God's desire for you. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. And it says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Now, this is just talking about those who are... It's, it's seemingly, uh, in modern terms, if I'm going to write this, I'll say employees um, obey your employers. Um, and that's why it says your masters according to the flesh. It's specific. You have only one master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So it says masters according to the flesh. It says servants obey your masters and obey your employers. Not with eye service. So it's not even about when they're looking or not. He says or uh, as a man pleaser. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. Singleness of heart, fearing God. At the end of the day, whatever you do in word or in deed should be as unto the Lord. So he emphasizes that in the next verse. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Do you see that? Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Christ is at the center of it all. He is all in all. Christ is all. He is your motivation. He is your passion. He is your devotion. He is your affection. He is your attention. Let him command your affection. Let him command your devotion. Let him command your passion. Let him be all in all to you, Christ. Let him be everything because your life is hid in Christ. That's where we find your life. Ah, glory to God. Verse 25, But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong for which he has done, and there is no respect of persons. You, you, what, you, what you put is what you get. But I want us to read Galatians chapter 2 as we close. Galatians chapter 2. Very quickly to round this up. Galatians chapter 2. Read from verse 20. Ah, if you're going to live victoriously in Christ. Hmm, 
In fact, let's read from verse 19. Verse 19. If you're going to read, if you're going to live victoriously in God, you need to realize that your life is hidden in Christ. That's where you are now, in Christ. Galatians chapter 2 from verse 19. It says, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. It says, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Do you see that? In Colossians, he says, I am dead with Christ to the rudiments of the world. That's Colossians 2, from verse 20, 20 thereabout. I am dead with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Then he says, nevertheless, I live. Do you, do you see the oxymoron I was talking about? You died, but then you are alive. You died to sin with Christ, but you are risen with Him. Colossians 3 1. Hallelujah. I see it being repeated here. That is your reality. And He says, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So the life I have, Christ is your life. Do you see that? So there is a, ah, there is a partnership, an inseparable partnership. Where Christ is in you and you are in him. Christ is in you, the hope of your glory. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, it's not just me, it's not me. But Christ lives in me, it's his life. And the life which I now live in the flesh as a human being, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah! It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That's him trying to say, look, I'm not living according to the law. If not, if righteousness could come by it, then Christ died in vain. So he's saying, look, the life that I live now, I'm dead to the law. I'm dead to sin. The life I live is Christ. It's only Christ. He is my life. He commands my attention. The life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, who loved me, that He gave Himself for me. That is the so Christ gave Himself to us. This goes to show that we didn't give our lives to Christ to be saved. We received His life because we didn't have any life of our own. We were dead. And he gave us his life. We received his life. And now we live in a manner where we walk above. We live above the things of the earth. So if truly you are risen with Christ, you are above. Now start to live like you are above. Put off the old man, Paul says, and put on Christ. Get rid of inordinate affection, sexual immorality, lust, greed. Take these things away from your life because you have a higher life, a life above this world. Live like that. Don't lie to another person. Don't be angry. Don't keep malice. Don't be bitter. Don't be envious. You are not a child of disobedience. You are a child of obedience. And then he says, Put on bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. 
forbearing with one another, forgiving one another just as Christ forgave you. If there's any quarrel, forgive even as Christ forgave you. That is you because you live a life higher than that of this world. Praise the name of Jesus. I want you to turn this to prayer right now. I want you to turn this to prayer right now and just say, Lord, thank you for this life I live. It's not my life. It is your life in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your life. I am dead to sin. That is my reality. So I put to death this sinful flesh in my life. I am dead to sin, my reality. I put to death my responsibility. Hallelujah. By your grace, I put to death the deeds of my flesh. By your spirit, I put to death the things and the deeds of my flesh. The inclinations of my flesh. The proclivities of my flesh. I put them to death. In the name of Jesus. Never again would I walk in the ways of the past. In the name of Jesus. That life. Is behind me. That life is behind me. I will be zero. I'll have zero tolerance for sexual immorality. Zero tolerance for impurity. Zero tolerance for inordinate affections. Zero tolerance for lust. Zero tolerance for greed and covetousness. Lord, I live my life in the present with Christ. I live my life in the future with Christ. The past is gone. The past is gone. The ways of sin are gone. The ways of the flesh are far behind me. In the name of Jesus, I walk in the newness of life. I walk in the newness of life. Come and begin to pray this with these confessions in your heart that you live a new life. You, li- you live a new life. Far above this world. You, you live, you, you, you live above this world. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I want you to pray this right now. That Lord, in everything, in my words and in my deeds, I do all to the glory of the Lord. In my words and in my deeds, I do all to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, in everything I do, I do it as if I'm doing it to Christ. I do it in the name of the Lord. Not for my name's sake. Not for my fame. Not for my, 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 my fame. No Lord, not for my name or for my fame. In the name of Jesus, I do all this for your name's sake. In the name of Jesus, every good thing I do, every word, every deed, it's I'm doing it as unto you. It's not about if the person deserves it. It's not about if the person merits it. Lord, I do it because you did it for me. You love me and I will show this love in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, in my, in my love for my wife, I do it as unto you, Lord. I'm doing it in your name. In my submission to my husband, I'm doing it in your name. In my raising my children, I do it in your name. In my obedience to my parents, I do it in my name. In loving the the brethren, in loving those who you died for, Lord, I do it in your name. Not because I want to, to pass a test, not because I want to prove a point, but I do it all in your name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. I'm going to pray one last prayer. You're going to say, Lord, 
Command my affections. Command my attention. Command my devotion. All the days of my life. Let me desire you. Like never before. To seek the things which are above. To actively pursue the things which are above. To actively run after the things that are of God. Help me, Lord, to keep my gaze upon you. Help me, Lord, to focus on you in a world of many voices, in a world of many influences, in a world of many persuasions. Oh, Lord, be my only desire. Be my only one passion, my thoughts, my life, my love. Be everything. Come on, pray right now. I want you to pray right now with everything you've got like never before. Lord, if there's anything God is good at doing, is redirecting your passions, redirecting your desires. And he will do that if you are willing. In surrender now, just say, Lord, you are my utmost passion. Be my utmost desire. Be the one thing I look forward to when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night. Be my one, number one thing. Be my number one person in the name of Jesus. Let my life be governed by you. Let my life be ruled by you in the name of Jesus Brakuta Mataya Venekedi Jebakutu Nanaya Devanise you are my life my life is hidden in you and you in God Brakutu Tayanaka Deve Jikita Tanaka Sebu Thank you Lord this is me this is me taking this pledge taking this stand that in this world of many voices in this world of many desires in this world of many passions lord in the name of jesus i stand for you because my life is in you my life is found in you and the words of christ dwell richly in me hallelujah the word of the gospel dwell in me and i apply them in the name of jesus glory to god glory to god in jesus mighty matchless name we have prayed precious father in heaven we thank you <laughs> Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love to us. Thank you, Lord, because we are dead indeed to sin, our reality. Thank you, Lord, because we are freed from the law and the rudiments of the world and the commandments of men. We are not like that. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about the regulator who is in us. It's about the ruler who is in us. Not just rules, but the ruler, the one who governs our, our affections and our lives. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. We've been called to a higher life. We've been called to a life beyond the holds of this world. We've been called to a life where you are seated in power. That's where we are. That's our location. Not as a, not as a, a proclamation of pride, but we take humility and faith in what you've provided for us. Thank you, Lord, because our lives will never remain the same. As a result of what we have heard this night, let the words truly of Christ, the words of Christ, let them dwell in us richly into, in, in all wisdom. That we will apply these things we've learned. That we will interact with your people this way. In love, in compassion, in kindness. People might say, oh, you're just pretending. I've always known you to be a bad person. I've always known you to be erratic. I've always known you to be angry. It doesn't matter. We do it in the name of the Lord henceforth. <laughs> we do it in your name henceforth. They might say we're pretending. They might say we're just trying to look the part. But Lord, we thank you. Because for us it's not eye service. 
the life we live, we live in the name of your son. And so, Lord, I, I pray this for everyone listening, that truly your life will be found only in Christ, not in anyone else. Your passion will be found in Christ. He will be your utmost desire for the rest of your days. It will not just be a, a time of an emotional high where you, you really loved him so much and after a while you just died down. No, this would be an unquenchable fire, an unquenchable desire for the Lord every day. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What an awesome time. What an awesome service. Glory to God. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.